Tristan Niesline, and this is The Three E's, an Extreme E podcast, and I'm joined by Jess Shanahan. Hi, Jess. Hi. So in this first preview episode, we're going to give you a sneak peek at what's coming up as we catch up with the exciting first Extreme E season, the future-facing global motorsport series highlighting climate change. And what a great time to have a series like Extreme E come onto the calendar. As the climate emergency becomes ever more prevalent and evident in our daily lives, we're going to be looking at what Extreme E is doing to highlight climate change and a little bit behind the Extreme E series, including the technical aspects, the legacy projects, the social part of the series, and of course, a little bit about the business of Extreme E as well and how that's changing in line with its core mission and values. But before we do all of that... Let's meet Jess Shanahan in a little bit more detail. Jess, why don't you introduce yourself? Of course. So I'm a future of mobility expert and recently a petrol head turned electric car owner. And I run the motorsport brand Racing Mentor, where I teach racing drivers valuable sponsorship skills, because I know a lot of people kind of struggle with how to get funding in motorsport. Um, I'm also a former race team boss. I used to run a Porsche race team and I was an F1 pundit as well. So I've got experience across many facets of the industry from this kind of, you know, sustainability side and in motorsport and also kind of the automotive side and what it means for like the wider sector as well. Well, what great experience. A former petrol head to an electric car owner. What made you make the change? Well, you know, don't get me wrong. I love a petrol car. I love, you know, the roar of an engine, all of that kind of stuff is brilliant. But I did a road trip in 2016, which took me around the UK and Ireland in an electric car. And I just fell in love with electric and it's kind of weaved its way into my career ever since. And it just kind of made sense to, you know, put my money where my mouth is (laughs) and go buy myself an electric car. And I'm loving it. Yes, I love that. I suppose I should introduce myself. Uh, well, I run Nisline Sustainability Partners uh, and we are a change agency. We work with uh, sporting organisations, uh, particularly focused in motorsport, uh, on decarbonising their operations. Uh, so whether it's building out a strategy with team leaders or working with drivers on getting to their uh, best possible outcomes in terms of uh, their impacts on the environment, what we do is we look at every part of the organisation uh, and work out the best ways to reduce the impact uh, and get the organization to uh, to net zero um, really fun work quite busy as it is at the moment as more organizations are starting to work towards that um, and i'm really grateful to work in two industries that i am really passionate about in sustainability and motorsport I think this is a your experience here is really exciting and I, I would actually love to hear from you actually on how you think the rest of the industry has reacted to Extreme E coming out because lots of lots of different organizations within motorsport are you know moving towards this net zero etc but Extreme E are absolutely taking that to to the next level and I just you know wondered what your thoughts were or your insight was on how other forms of motorsport are kind of reacting to that. It's very interesting I think because Extreme E is so unique it's built around the the response to climate change uh, and from that no other series really has has those kind of um uh, has that genesis or, or that reason for, for coming into being. So any responses that the rest of the motorsport industry are going to have to Extreme E are going to somewhat kind of 
fall a little bit short, uh, as as you might naturally expect. It doesn't mean, though, that actually more can't be done and that more series aren't actually going to react to see a series like Extreme actually living values in the way that they do and actually looking at every part of the series in order to decarbonize to the best possible outcomes um, and utilizing, you know, really good ways to, uh, to to account for what is now unavoidable emissions, what can't be decarbonized, um, is going to set a really, really good example for, for other series. And for me, I don't think necessarily there's been a huge response yet, but I can see that in the next year or so, as the series continues and takes shape and more comes out around uh, what Extreme E is doing, especially for, for climate change, uh, the other series won't take won't take leads from that. So I'm kind of waiting to see the response, but I think it's going to be, uh, I think it's going to have a profound effect. What about you? Are you seeing much from your side? I think everyone's quietly watching and waiting to kind of see what happens. I think because Extreme E is so unique, there's there's so much that the other forms of motorsport can can learn for, from extreme e but it, it's not exactly like you know you can you can copy one element of it just because it is so different in what it's trying to do the legacy it's leaving behind and so on absolutely and i think um some ways that part of what we're talking about when we're talking about the three e's where we're talking about the environment equality and electrification is there are some really simple quick wins that other other series and other other areas of the sports industry and indeed our daily lives can actually can actually look to and and start thinking about. Um, it's no doubt explore when we start looking at uh, the team makeup within Extreme E and looking at uh, looking how the how the teams are split and how that gender equality is kind of permeating throughout all roles within the team. Um, it's going to be, I think, a really interesting. Yeah, I completely agree. And what I really like is that actually Extreme E has added a fourth E. So we're only going to be covering the three E's, but Extreme E have just recently added this entertainment aspect. And the racing absolutely covers that. You know, if anyone who's listening to this who has already watched the first race, they'll know that it's super entertaining. So I'm really, really excited for a form of motorsport that is entertaining like all most sports should be but then has these important aspects like the environment the electric aspect and as you say this this equality angle as well absolutely and what we can expect over the course of uh, the rest of the year actually we're going to be here after every race uh reviewing the racing as you said the entertainment part and looking at the environmental the equality and inclusion and the electrification elements of, of the series. We're going to be looking at bringing guests in, we're going to be getting insights and opinions from uh, across the industry. This is the three E's. So Jess, in terms of those three E's or four E's, but we're going to be looking at the three E's plus, plus the entertainment in racing, we'll certainly be looking at at how the races went and and all of the action on I was going to say on track but it's absolutely not on track it might be on sand on ice uh on dirt or whatever else uh might be might be being thrown up um but a little bit about electrification what are you excited to uh to explore so I'm really excited to to kind of give context from these you know electric SUV race cars 
to what that means for us on the road, but also what that means for the environment, because there are so many conversations out there at the moment about electrics actually not as sustainable or as green as we all think it is. And I, I think that the way Extreme is doing things with, you know, this narrative around climate change and and everything like that, there's going to be enough information out there that we can say, look, here is a real use case of using an electric car and charging it with hydrogen, which is pretty cool. Um, and I think how that translates into what we're going to see in the automotive industry is really interesting. But I'm, I'm really interested as well in what this means for the future of motorsport, because I know a lot of people are concerned or maybe excited depending on what side you're on about what is going to happen to traditional kind of ICE combustion engine motorsport you know is that going to completely disappear in the wake of all of this uh, electric technology and I, I I'm really really interested to see how electric weaves its way into the rest of motorsport and actually what opportunities that provides in terms of different races and and different formats and you know we can already see from Extreme e that the race format is really, really different to, you know, a lot of what we've experienced in most sport previously. Completely agree. And of course, made for TV, wasn't it? To make sure that the footprint is as limited as possible in these in these places, which uh, they're racing with zero impact to actually the, the areas that they're, they're going racing. Um, it really brings about an interesting format for the, for the racing um, without the need for spectators there. So of course, we're seeing exceptional scenery and some amazing amazing tracks that are being being set up and uh and already seen in in saudi um i think that's going to be exciting and also to pick up on that point about green hydrogen as well really exciting developments there and the partnership with afc energy and providing green green hydrogen is uh is something to to really look at and, and be quite excited about as a real truly renewable energy source that's going to be providing power to the suv yeah, and I, I think that because of the way Extreme is doing things, all of those those arguments against motorsport from people who are interested in the environment are being thought about. So I, I think I did a post on LinkedIn recently where I was talking about sustainability in motorsport and someone commented on the logistics of flying cars around the world. But actually Extreme completely thought about this with their, their very own ship for transporting the cars. The HMS St Helena, a former postal service ship, is that right? Yes, that's it. Yeah, I think um, fantastic. I, I love that on the side it, it says not electric yet, and I think for me that perfectly frames the uh, the challenge for for climate change as it stands at the moment. It's not going to be perfect. We're in a heavily fossil fuel reliant world, but the 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 drive for change is absolutely there. And for me, that that one slogan, the not electric yet, perfectly sums up uh, where we are in terms of the, the fight against climate change. It really does. And I, I think that's a good message for everyone. We don't all have to be perfect, but the small changes that we can make to be to be better is going to impact the environment in, in a positive way. And hopefully, you know, it'll, we'll be all be doing our own part to kind of beat the climate climate emergency that we're in. I think it's been mentioned certainly by Extreme E a, a few times, but just to just to kind of underline it, when Extreme E is going to these remote locations in uh, Saudi Arabia, Senegal, Greenland, Brazil, and Argentina, uh, there is actually a team of scientists aboard the aboard the ship who are 
actually looking at the impacts of climate change because those particular areas have been specifically chosen uh, as exceptional and perfect illustrations of how climate change is impacting on the different territories uh, that the that the earth actually uh, has so whether it be arctic tundras whether it be deserts whether it be rainforests uh, each of these places are ideal to be able to take scientific evidence do research all of which will be happening upon the boat or a lot of which will be happening on aboard the hms and helena I think that's so interesting and such an important way of doing things because it really shows that this isn't just about virtue signaling and it isn't just about awareness, although that is important. But actually, you know, the the science team within Extreme are are doing work to, you know, further any research and, and make an impact in a way that is actually measurable. So we can see, you know, how how these different places have been affected by climate change and actually what are the solutions there as well? Those particular scientists, they're, they're quite renowned. Um, they have fantastic, um, they have fantastic careers already behind them and they have been selected, I know, for their, for their specialisms and their expertise in, in these particular areas. Um, added to that, and you, you mentioned it before, Jess, the legacy projects that are going to be left behind are also going to be uh, going to be really interesting. Yeah, and I, again, I think this is another thing that makes Extreme really special and very different is that they're not just going to these places, doing research, building awareness, but they're going to leave a legacy for the people that live in in these different climates uh, to to improve their way of life and and improve you know against the these challenges that they're facing from climate change. Yeah, I mean, some of them are really interesting. So whether it be uh, looking at conservation of biodiversity um, and looking at particular uh, endangered species that, that reside in those locations, right through to looking at um, looking at empowering young people who are able to then be the change for the future in certain areas. The mix of legacy projects takes in both the social and the environmental uh, topics um, and will will really, I believe, have a have a lasting impression on on those places that they visit. Yeah, I agree. And, you know, as much as we're we're watching the racing and we're we're enjoying kind of the thrill of, you know, seeing these these cars battle it out, it, it's always worth kind of watching the the build up and the the extreme documentary and listening to podcasts like this one to find out more about those different legacy programs and more about this kind of environment environmental aspect just because it is so important but it's also really interesting and you know i'm quite tuned in to what's happening within environment sustainability electric but you know even just from the the first race in saudi I, I learned so much about um, desertification that, you know, that I didn't know before. It wasn't something that had really been on my radar in the same way. And just listening to, you know, the the scientists and listening to others from Extreme E talk about what is happening and what's being done was really interesting. And I, and I learned something from that. Fantastic. Yeah, me, me too, actually. Desertification is something because it's not necessarily local to our, our doorsteps. Um, it, it might feel like it's kind of it doesn't really apply. But the interesting thing, one of the things that I think we all look at a little bit deeper in episode one is actually why does desertification actually mean something to why we should be concerned about it? 
Yeah, absolutely agree. And I, I think just as we go throughout the, the season, we're, I think we're all going to learn uh, about these different aspects of what's going on in the environment that isn't, you know, necessarily these things that we're thinking about immediately at home. Absolutely right. Um, so just let's look a little bit um, at the at the vehicles that are going around then. So uh, electric powered SUVs, what are, what are you thinking of those? Yeah, so I, I I love any electric car just because the instant torque, you know, just the power of these things is incredible. So these uh, the the extreme e electric SUVs are designed by Spark Racing, and they are completely built for extreme e. So obviously they have to they have to be able to withstand these extreme you know climates, the different terrains, all of that kind of thing. But I think there's a lot of there's a lot of interesting takeaway from that that can apply to road cars, which I'm sure we'll touch on in, in more detail. But just for basic facts, it's uh, a 550 brake horsepower uh, vehicle that will do zero to 60 in 4.5 seconds. But what I really love about it is that it's designed to be able to take on gradients of up to 130 percent which just just baffles me just even thinking about that and you know for anyone that watched the first race you'll have seen those those incredible gradients and things that that these cars had to do in that dusty terrain but i think what's so excited about these is they look different we've got something fresh and new in motorsport and i think that taking something with all of this torque because it's electric you've got that instant kind of on off power you've got so much more opportunity for thrilling races, you know, tackling these different terrains, but there's, there's all of the cool technology that comes with that as well. So Williams advanced engineering have created the battery for this car. And when you're racing electric, obviously you've got to think about things like range and power and all of that kind of thing. But what's interesting to me as someone who is thinking from maybe more of a, a wider automotive, wider motorsport um, application is that they're, they're keeping a close eye on the battery management system. So, so the thing that, you know, says how the battery is using its power, how it's delivering um, its power to the different motors, that kind of thing, because that will translate into our road cars. And the way it will, in very, very simplistic terms, the way it will translate into our road cars is in terms of maximizing range, maximizing charging, but also how well can a can a battery management system or a battery as a whole withstand cold temperatures, hot temperatures, dust, all of that kind of thing. So it's very, very much about, you know, these cars are a, a test bed for new electric car technology in the most extreme of conditions. So if you can nail it at, you know, the extremes of the desert or the extremes of, you know, the Arctic Circle, then actually, you know, a, a, a car that's going to be rolling around in Europe in, you know, mild temperatures, it's, it should be easy in theory. I understand that they, they've built these, um, they've built these machines to, to withstand anything from minus 30 to plus 40 uh, degrees of temperature. Yeah, yeah. It, and it's And that's interesting because batteries that they behave differently in hot temperatures versus cold temperatures. So I'm really, really interested to see, you know, is that affected? Is Extreme going to talk about, you know, the differences between, you know, the Saudi race compared to, you know, a cold climate race? Now, Jess, the teams are all different. They come from all walks of motorsport life. Uh, we're going to be looking at them competitively, but also behind the scenes. 
I think it's really interesting to, I think the makeup of the teams is really important in the fact that every team has a, a male driver and a female driver. I think that's an important step forward for, for motorsport for a number of reasons, but also the equality split across the entire, you know, organizational team and with each individual team as well is much more equal than perhaps we've seen in other forms of motorsport. But I'm, I'm also really interested in kind of the partnerships and things that, that, these these teams are bringing on board because you know my, my interest is in sponsorship and and the business of motorsport and actually seeing that the these different teams are bringing on sponsors who have this sustainability angle or do something green or at least have that have that as a value is really interesting because i feel like extreme e is opening up this avenue for these more green focused companies to sponsor whereas before maybe their values might have might have stopped them sponsoring something um like let's say british touring cars or something like that the business of extreme is going to be really interesting to to look at we know um the leader of of extreme alejandro agag who's also responsible for for formula e a very shrewd operator in terms of um bringing on very of the moment and and good partnerships for for his uh for his series I think that's going to be something to look at and as we as the series develops and as it becomes even more popular yeah i think already even if at this early stage we've we've got so much that we could cover there so i'm really really interested to see how it develops as well okay well that's our preview we hope you've enjoyed hearing a little bit about what we're going to be talking about over the over the course of the extreme e season and feel free to get in touch with us. We want to know what you're enjoying, what you want to find out more about, your thoughts and opinions, and we'll pick our favourites and include them in the next show. You can do that by using the email address in the show notes. Jess, if our listeners want to find out more about you, where do they find you? Yeah, you can find me on pretty much any channel <laughs> because I love social media. I am at JetLBomb. Uh, we're going to be back in a week's time with a review of the Saudi weekend, all of the thrills and spills, of which there are quite a few spills. Uh, and following on from that, we'll have a Senegal review in the week after the race. So it just leaves me to thank you, Jess, for your time today and look forward to exploring further Extreme E with you. I can't wait to do more of this. It's going to be brilliant. So thank you very much for having me. So we'll see you in a week to review the Saudi X-Prix.